2: This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on vSIN, the Sports
3: Betting Network. Welcome into Odds On. I'm Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw. In 30 minutes, as we do every Wednesday, we'll have Frank Schwab, senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports and betting analyst, join us, talk some college bowls and NFL playoff pictures. But Amal, I want to start with yesterday the passing of John Madden, certainly a legend larger than life. In football, highest winning percentage of any coach that coached a minimum of 100 games, one Super Bowl title, and, of course, this tremendous career as being the number one broadcasting duo for over two decades, covering all four networks.
2: Yeah, obviously, immense name when it comes to the NFL. Uh, You know, when Fox hired him initially, that was the big move. It kind of really catapulted Fox into the NFL spotlight and the network as a whole. So, obviously, a big name that will be missed by many.
3: You know, my favorite thing about John Madden was th- when you think about the coaching staff that he was on at San Diego State, head coach was Don Correale, Madden was the defensive coordinator, and a man named Joe Gibbs was the offensive coordinator.
2: Yeah, you know, I think Joe Gibbs, when you talk all-time NFL coaches, one of, if not the most underrated coach of all time, three different Super Bowls in nine years with three different quarterbacks. Yeah,
3: absolutely. All right, all. many of our listeners, of course, are focused on the offensive and defensive player of the year market, so let's start there. <laughs> the offensive player of the year market, really now a two horse race. Equal favoritism for Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup right now at this time. Do you think that people will value Cooper Cup's contribution to the Rams as much as they do Jonathan Taylor's, given the fact all the injury situation with the Colts and then he is playing with obviously not as uh, the caliber of quarterback? Uh, that Cup gets in Matthew Stafford and, and Carson Wentz.
2: Well, I think you'll find out who wins this award on sat, on Sunday because this Colts playing without Carson Wentz with Sam Ellinger under center is going to make a huge difference. And I think this is an opportunity for him, especially against an anemic Raiders defense. So if he has a big game, he goes for a buck and a quarter plus. I think he wins it. If they struggle and they lose this football game, I don't think he wins it because then I'll point to the fact that Wentz has been more instrumental than people realize. Uh, Cooper Cup, Look, I don't know if there's much more he can do. A couple of years ago, Michael Thomas, uh, one Offensive Player of the Year, had 148, 149 catches somewhere in there. Uh, Coop's got an opportunity to break that record. But the finish by the Rams will be critical in terms of where Cup winds up in this voting.
3: Uh, Defensive Player of the Year market is getting very interesting now as well. Right now, co-favorites, but at $2, Micah Parsons and TJ Watt. Parsons could become the first rookie to win Defensive Player of the Year since Lawrence Taylor did it in 1981, and then just below them Trayvon Diggs at plus 750 and Aaron Donald at plus eight dollars. The reality is Aaron Donald is the best defensive player, but I don't necessarily think he might gonna, he's going to win the award this year. If you had to pick between Parsons and Watts, who would you choose, or would you go off the board here?
2: Uh, are we just asking this question because we're required to? What is this a joke? It's not even close. All of a sudden, you being about six sacks less than the other guy makes you potential defensive player of the year. And Trayvon Diggs with 11 interceptions. Who was the last one for the Cowboys? Everson Edison Walls, 1982? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Give me a break here. Uh, Michael Parsons should not be in consideration.
3: So if, it's, if you draw a line through Parsons, then is your default position Watt? It's Watt or Diggs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Diggs got to get strong consideration. I'd rather take a shot then at plus 750. Well, you, when you look at the betting market. You'd rather take a shot with what? I'd rather take a shot with Trayvon Diggs. Yeah, then. yeah, if, plus if, if you think Parsons is, is not winning the award, then I'd rather take a shot at 750. I, he's going to get defensive
2: rookie of the year. I just don't understand how he gets um, defensive player of the year when T.J. Watt has done what he's done. And remember, Watt has also missed time due to injury. I mean, come on, g- give me a break on this one here. By the way, it's kind of the old Bill Belichick when that idiot reporter asked, uh, how does Khalil Mack compare to Lawrence Taylor? This is uh, Lawrence Taylor. We're talking about, right?
3: <laughs> Such a great answer. I don't think I've ever seen another defensive player like him. I mean, he there is no the defensive game. player like him. Never. And where where would you rank number two? Reggie White, maybe for me, Reggie White. I, I as would, far as disruptive to a game, can take over a game? Yeah, Reggie White, yeah. absolutely. The Minister of Defense. Yeah, absolutely. All right, just for fun, and I use fun in quotations, let's look at the weekly DraftKings combined <laughs> player prop specials, of all because I know you wouldn't be doing that if you weren't sitting here with me on the show. <laughs> let's start out here and see if this can inspire any plays for you. Think about this. Devonta Smith and Terry McLaurin over a 149.5 combined receiving yards at plus 120. Yeah,
2: I'll go with the over because I've seen uh, Washington's defense. So I think Devontae Smith should be able to get to about a buck forty nine himself. Maybe Terry McLaurin makes a catch this week. He doesn't have Trayvon Diggs on him, so I think he should be able to get one catch for one yard. So let's go with the over one forty nine and a half and a
3: half there. McLaurin's had an MVP-type year other than the two games they played against Diggs. I mean, it, it's amazing.
2: It is, and they tried to go with him on the first play. The problem was oh. if the throws to the outside like a normal quarterback, that's a catch for about 30 yards down the field. Instead, he throws it on the inside, and Trayvon Diggs runs the route.
3: Okay, here, Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs, over 174 and a half combined rushing yards, plus 110. What's Taylor had now? 10, 11 games in a row with over 100 yards? Yeah,
2: I, he's had 9 out of 10 or something. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. But he's been unbelievable. I would go with over here because Jonathan Taylor, the thing I love about him is that gets underrated with him. He's got the ability for the big play. He can break off long runs with his speed. He really is a tremendous back. Mike, he's one of these guys that... I just mentioned Joe Gibbs being so vastly underrated. Jonathan Taylor. People forget most rushing yards in college football history in the first three years of a
3: career uh, JT at Wisconsin, and he has not skipped a beat in the NFL. Wisconsin could, like, line up all those backs and be in the top ten of career rushing yards, right? That they went from Dane and Monty Ball and White. And, I mean, it's just amazing. It, It has been an absolute
2: impressive run of running backs they've had for about 30 years now.
3: Tailback you. Okay. Um... Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow over 599.5 combined passing yards, even money. I'm going to go under here. Um, I think Mahomes is a guy
2: that has not been throwing the ball as much. He's been affected, but I think the Chiefs defense has been what the catalyst has been for this team. Uh, I, I think they can keep them in check. An important game here, really, for Cincinnati with an opportunity to be able to win this division. So... We'll see, I don't think Burrow repeats the 525
3: performance he had against the Ravens. Well, I mean, that's like the, the mass unit, the Ravens' defense at this time.
2: Yeah, you, you know, listen, I, I like Joe Burrow's response, and he's right. Wink Martindale didn't need to say that yet, but I also do kind of agree with Wink's sentiments that, hey, no need to crown him just yet. But let's not go, go crazy here. I mean, this was against a Ravens team where most of these guys won't be on the secondary roster next year.
3: Well, what, I mean, three weeks ago, Harbaugh said I went for two because I don't have a secondary. Yeah, exactly. Nobody's come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They've actually had more injuries since. Yeah. Um, Cooper Cup and Mark Andrews over 14 and a half combined receptions, plus 130. Why are we throwing Mark Andrews in there? I think it's probably <laughs> Cup by himself,
2: right? I mean, against this Ravens team we just mentioned. Um, that's a big number, but I think both of these guys combined can achieve that. Andrews, you're probably looking at five, six catches. Coop can do what he does. I mean, he's been sensational so far this year.
3: Okay, Arizona takes on the Cowboys. Over 349.5 combined Prescott passing yards and Murray rushing yards at even money. Uh, Prescott can, passing can, yards can, and Murray. Murray rushing yards. I'll
2: go with the over because Dak's going to throw for some yardage. I mean, he's going to do the heavy lifting here. We're, we're talking basically Dak at 308, 309, and Kyler about 40 yards. I'll tell you right now, Kyler's going to have a monster game. I am telling you right now. With his legs and his feet? He's back in Dallas. He's going to have
3: a monster game. Uh, okay. Um, Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins over four and a half combined passing touchdowns plus
2: 115. Um, i just go under here.
3: Uh, how about Aaron Rodgers? Who will throw more? Aaron Rodgers touchdowns or Kirk Cousins interceptions? Uh, Aaron Rodgers touchdowns <laughs> minus one, minus, <laughs> minus one, one, minus I, one. Yeah, exactly. I was going to ask you, what
2: about this? Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins combined interceptions total being over a half. By the way, Aaron Rodgers
3: off the board. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Devontae Adams and Justin Je- Justin Jefferson over a hundred ninety nine and a half combined receiving yards, plus one thirty five. Under.
2: That's you got both guys have to have a monster day. I think the Green Bay secondary can slow down Jefferson just enough, but they're going to be playing from behind, so. It'll be a bit of a challenge here in terms of how they do.
3: Nick Chubb and Najee Harris over 174 and a half combined rushing yards at even money.
2: Yeah, you'd have to to be looking at Chubb getting about 178 yards because I think Najee would probably be negative four in this game with the way that offensive
3: line performs for the Steelers. Is Nick Chubb the best running back that nobody talks about as an elite running back? Wait a minute. Nick Chubb to me is probably
2: the third best running back in the NFL behind the uh, the 18-wheeler. Yes, Derek Henry and Jonathan Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Taylor's ability to hit the home run. You like Chubb better? I don't have a problem if you do. It's close, but it, you right. I,
3: I to the eye, I it, it, Taylor impresses me because at his size. He pulls away from these DBs. That, His speed. Did you see the the stat where he he's gone over 20 miles an hour on so many runs? But he's like running 22 miles an hour.
2: Yeah, I'm not really that impressed. I drive over that speed. Yeah. No, but you <laughs> we, know, to and, your point. That's why your car still in the shop. <laughs> yeah,
3: because I can't get in the uh, shop. There's yeah. no
2: availability in town. Um, I, you're right though, Chubb, I I've not seen a running back, including Henry, who's better in traffic, in the pile of getting through and navigating. Four or five yards
3: on plays that should be going for a yard or two. I think Chubb is a really patient back. He's unbelievable. You know, he, where the, he, he can wait for where, you know, the play's design. He finds the hole, though. I mean, and he, he, he's got a great sense of balance. Um, before, we, before we look at this bowl game that's going to kick off here in, a, in about five minutes, this question. Does the Raiders' defense face a greater challenge this week in Sam Ellinger than they did in Drew Locke last week?
2: Wow, fantastic <laughs> question. But, no, last week was more difficult. Yeah. Sam, Sam, Sam Ellinger. Second-best
3: running back to Colt's have. <laughs> all right. There is one bowl game kicking in five minutes. That's the pinstripe oh, that's bowl. Right. The one I always talk about from Yankee Stadium with the bad <laughs> weather. Maryland is taking on Virginia Tech, and we want to hit it here so people still have time to get a preflop wager in. Terrapins of all laying four-and-a-half here with a total of 55-and-a-half.
2: Yeah, this is an interesting match. Remember, Bur- uh, uh, Burmeister has transferred out the quarterback there for Virginia Tech, also their leading receiver out. So, tough one here, and I think that's why you saw money coming in on the Terrapins. This line was three-and-a-half before we came to the studio today, Mike. Now at four-and-a-half here, not surprised. I don't believe, I didn't look, but I don't believe the weather's going to be that much of an issue in New York. Uh, but I, I don't have a current update. Thoughts on Tua Jr.? You know, listen, if it weren't for his brother's name, we wouldn't even know who he is. Yeah. I mean, he'd be a guy that's just competing for a job at Maryland. They're they're just an average program right now. If they can elevate from a quarterback but there's some decent players that come in and out of the Maryland area, particularly the Diggs
3: brothers. In the last 10 days, we've been really seeing these bowl games trending under. It's a pretty high total for an outdoor game, 55 and a half. It is, but Maryland, they like to score the ball, go with tempo, and they don't play defense. All right, when we come back, we're going to look at a couple of the other bowl matchups today and some later in the week, including a game Amal and I have been talking about since it was announced, the Cheez-It Bowl.
0: This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Welcome back. This segment of Odds On is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. A fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen nicotine pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, and Amal's personal favorite, citrus. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your... Zen. So head on over to zen.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's Z Y dot slash F-I-N-D. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. It's odds on. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw on a Wednesday afternoon. Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll have our buddy Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Um, let's talk about the two other bowl matchups today. And this is a game I bet early and I bet it again this morning. Clemson against Iowa State in the Cheez-It Bowl. From Orlando, no Brees Hall for the Cyclones, them all. Few offensive line problems for Clemson. Looks like the wide, re- their top wide receiver might be out today. Yet we saw some betting this total up from 44.5. I saw 45.5 in some spots last night. That's when I bet it. Um, to me, I think points are going to be hard to come by in this game.
2: I would agree with you. I like Clemson in this game as well. I think this defense is still elite. Uh, finally, uh, we're going to see... Uh, James Skalski playing out his 15th year at Clemson, uh, finally leaving after an illustrious career there. He really has had a great career, but uh, hopefully this game he doesn't get ejected for targeting like he did last year against Ohio State. I'm with you. I think uh, Clemson dominates this game. You know, people overlook. This is a team that lost in double overtime to NC State. Lost a tough game against Pittsburgh when that offense was rolling on a bad turnover by the offense, and then they lose a 10-3 game against Georgia this is a team that had a, if they had a pulse offensively, they would have been right back in the college football playoff.
3: Yeah, it was it was a definitely a tough loss to start the year. Defensive touchdown, the only touchdown in the game against Georgia in that game in North Carolina. To me, you know, you talked about this Clemson defense, and then what they did to Wake Forest. Nobody slowed Wake Forest down. Wake Forest really struggled to move the ball against them. I was on the radio with the guys from Iowa, KNOX in Des Moines this morning, and I said this, the best defense. This Would side that be of, Knox? Yes, this the best defense this side of Athens, Georgia, in the Clemson Tigers, and you might argue they're just as good. I mean, when you look at the quality of the offenses the teams have played, I think Brees Hall's the key here. The Iowa State offense relied on Brees Hall's breakaway threat and ability to run the ball to get Purdy uh, completions to his tight ends and to open it up for the wide receivers. I think Iowa State has a tough time getting to 17 in this game. I think this game might be played in the teens. I'm on the under, and Eileen Clemson here.
2: I like the play here. You know, I don't play a lot of same-game parlays, mm-hmm. and I think this is one that I'm going to do that with Clemson and the under. I think points will be at a premium, as you alluded to. But at the same time, really, how many points is Iowa State going to be able to manage in this one? I don't think they know what they're in for defensively or offensively against this defense. And you're right. And you know, everybody wants to annoy Georgia. I said all along, they hadn't played a quarterback. That's why I said I love the total over. Bryce Young's mm-hmm. going to pick them apart. He did absolutely that. This defense shut down Sam Hartman. Picking out a good game against Clemson, but it wasn't like he overwhelmed them. It was a critical turnover, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And the offense was so inept.
3: All right, and then uh, later this evening at 6-15, the Alamo Bowl goes off. Oregon against Oklahoma. This line has continued to go in favor uh, in in in. In, is that right on the in the screen there? Yeah. Seven in favor of Oklahoma. Continue to take money now. Six and a half. Up to seven. Seven and uh, lay the 15 cents here. So this this number teetering on going past the seven. Um, 63 and a half the total here at all. This is a game I typically don't get involved in in San Antonio, the Alamo Bowl, just because I don't like this game every year. Played in a dome. It typically is a high-scoring game. Can get out of hand early. The way the betters are looking at it, this might be a blowout for Oklahoma. Do you agree, and are you going to take a side here? I did. I have a play coming up on this
2: one. Uh, Just a quick point on Oklahoma. No Nick Benito, one of the best Mm -hmm. edge rushers in college uh, football. No Winfrey in the middle of that line. Also two other starters out on defense. But I expect a big day in this one from the running back position, Brooks and Gray. And I think Caleb Williams will play particularly well. I'll tell you, this is an important game for the Oklahoma offense. Because I think Caleb Williams has not announced what he's going to do, whether he's going to stay at OU or he's going to transfer elsewhere, to see how this offense performs and how they kind of revolve it around him moving forward. I'm sure Venables has made a great pitch to him, but something to pay attention to if you're a Boomer Sooner fan. Uh, I, I like Oklahoma in this game. And by the way, always good news to remember when you're going up against Oregon. Anthony Brown is still on the other side.
3: Yeah, he did, he did not elect to go anywhere else, which
2: is good news for the Sooners. Well, I don't believe Amazon was hiring in the Eugene area.
3: <laughs> I wish everybody was playing in this game. So do I. I, I wish this game was... You know, it's still in the regular season. We got a chance to meet up with these teams because I would hammer Oklahoma at the seven. I would absolutely hammer them. themselves. I think this Oregon team being ranked in the top three and being in a playoff position is one of the biggest frauds we've ever seen in college football. all. Well, that's just a lazy narrative. It it certainly is. Thank you, Yogi. Uh, All right, we'll continue our bowl preview. Now, these can be found on our YouTube channel as well. Tomorrow night, right here in Las Vegas, the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. This game traditionally played earlier in the year, moved to December 30th, features the Wisconsin Badgers out of the Big Ten and the Arizona State Sun Devils uh, out of the Pac-12. Now, this game will rotate. Big Ten versus Pac-12, Big Ten versus SEC every other year. So there could be some great matchups here. Wisconsin and Arizona state, both eight and four of them all Wisconsin came within that final game lost to Minnesota of actually representing the West in the big 10 championship game and getting to take on Michigan, but they couldn't get the job done in Minneapolis. They had a seven game winning streak going into that game. Remember they had a couple of tough losses due to turnovers, that opening game against Penn state, the whole debacle there where they were in side, the 10 yard line three times and came away with no points and then really the game against Notre Dame that that was nip and tuck until all the turnovers in the third quarter. I don't know what Arizona State's best win is. Maybe at the Rose Bowl against UCLA. I was looking through their schedule. Yeah. I think Wisconsin has a distinct advantage in this game, both offensively and defensively with Jim Leonard. They're laying six. I like the Badgers in this spot. Low total, 41 of them all.
2: Completely agree with you on your assessment there, especially when you talk about Wisconsin The losses to Penn State, Notre Dame, and Michigan in the first four or five weeks of the season. No shame in that. Tough loss against Minnesota, but a huge rivalry, one that they've dominated for a long time. I think Braylon Allen has a big day. I think Jaden Daniels has re- uh, excuse me, regressed for Arizona State. I think it's going to be all Bucky Badger in this one. And to me, they're a more dominant offensive line, and they will have an effective day on the ground here. And again... This Jim Leonard defense, still elite. I think they have a good showing after that. Uh, poor showing against the Gophers.
3: Yeah, I might go to this game tomorrow night. We have a few extra tickets. Uh, uh, I like to see Wisconsin Badgers uh, represent the Big Ten here. Okay, let's move on to Friday. The Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Going to kick off at 8 o'clock Pacific, 11 a.m. local time at TIAA Bankfield in Jacksonville, Florida. Featuring Wake Forest from the ACC. And fill in. Phil in Rutgers. Greg Schiano got his guys together. Maybe they had a couple practices before they went, they went down to Jacksonville. Wake Forest comes in at ten and three. Rutgers was not bowl eligible at five and seven, but did get the nod to come into this game. Huge number here in Mall, 14 and a half with a total of sixty one and a half. And they're going to cover it. First of all, you mentioned the practices. How many
2: practices have they had an opportunity to have? Just, I think, a bad spot for Rutgers. Remember, they got in for APR for people that are unfamiliar with that. That's the number of graduations and grade point average accumulation uh, in terms of how you're making, pro- excuse me, let me rephrase, progress towards graduation with the players. And Rutgers, obviously, the number one on that list. So that's why they got in with a 5-7 and seven record. The three losses that Wake Forest has this year have come against North Carolina, Clemson, and I forgot the other one that they had, but Pittsburgh. Yep. All teams that were able to move the ball effectively against them. Clemson, a lot of it was set up by their defense. I think when you look at this matchup, these guys are in trouble in this game, Rutgers. They're just not that good with Noah Vedrill. They can't throw the ball effectively. I mean, this is going to be
3: an interesting game. I, I think uh, they get absolutely dusted. I think here's the problem. Shiano is a great defensive mind. Yeah. He, he's been successful where he's gone. But how do you not have any time to prepare for this Wake Forest offense?
2: They really don't. And i tell you what, you, you know, Dave Clawson does a tremendous job. Remember the smallest school from a student population in uh, Division One, but intelligence with them. And you look what uh, Hartman's been able to do all year long. A.T. Perry and Roberson, both over 1,000 yards receiving dangerous offense.
3: I agree with you there. All right, and then let's cap it off in this segment with the Sun Bowl. This is also Friday early in the morning here, 9 o'clock uh, Pacific, noon in the East Coast from El Paso, Texas. This traditional game that's been going on for many, many, many decades. Washington State against Central Michigan. Very different matchup to what we're typically seeing here. Uh, Washington State comes in at 7 and 5. Uh, played better towards the last half of the year in the Pac 12 North. Actually had a shot going into the last yeah. weekend with a tiebreaker to represent the North in the Pac 12 championship game. Central Michigan comes in at 8 and 4. We talked about the MAC being down this year, Amal. And we see that reflected in the line. Washington State, lane 7.5, total 57.5.
2: Yeah, you know what? This is an interesting one, but I'm going to go with the Cougars here. I think Jaden DeLora and company are too tough. Now, the one thing that concerns me is no Max Borgie. What a terrific running back for the Cougars he's been all year long. But pay attention to the CMU team. We know what Pimpleton could do on the special teams and on the outside. Three receivers this year with Dixon and Sullivan all over 600 yards. And then Nicholas, Mike. This is a guy that has flown under the radar, over 1,700 yards rushing. And Richardson, a true freshman quarterback, or excuse me, a freshman uh, for them. I think this team is going to be dangerous. Moving forward, CMU, pay attention to them to win the MAC next year, but I'm going to go with uh, the Cougars here in this one. And the fact that they've been there, I I like them a lot in this game. How
3: about the the game kicking at 9 a.m. Pacific, the body clock for Washington State?
2: You know, this is a traditional start time in El Paso, 10 o'clock local time there. So I don't think it's going to be that much of a disadvantage for them because CMU playing at a 10 start as well.
3: I generally have a default position, play the Sun Bowl under. For whatever reason, these tend to be low-scoring games. Maybe it's the wind out in that west Texas city of El Paso. I don't know, but I'll probably have a play on the under. All right, up next, our buddy Frank Schwab joins the show.
0: This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal
3: Shaw on VSIN the Sports Betting Network. Save 50% off a VSIN all-access subscription for the rest of the football season with our Big Game Special. Get access to our in-depth matchup analysis, trends, and picks for every game and sport on the schedule, including our exclusive betting splits, showing you where the money is going on every game. Sign up today and you'll also get our daily best bet emails. Weekly betting guides, 24-7 video, plus our all-new college bowl betting guide covering every bowl game for only $39 at vcin.com slash subscribe. Welcome back in. It is Mike Palm with Amal Shaw here on Odds On Maryland. Big punt return, Amal, helping out your ticket lane three in the first half. Uh, they're up seven nothing on Virginia Tech at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, 90 plus yard punt return for a touchdown. And by the way,
2: good to see the referees are back in midseason form here. Nine and a half yards for a first down for Virginia Tech so far in this game. So I see we'll continue to round up in this game. We'll see what happens. Um by the way, uh, I, I understand Frank's not gonna be joining us. I heard he opted out.
3: No, no, we're efforting him. We're efforting. E- That's a word I learned here in the uh the, the media here. We're efforting. Frank, we hope Frank can join us here. Maybe he's flying out, decided to go to the Vegas Bowl to see his Badgers play. All right, Amal, let's turn to some college basketball tonight here while we wait to hopefully get Frank on. In the SEC, down on the plains of Auburn, Alabama, the LSU Tigers come (laughs) a-calling. Okay. (laughs) Go ahead, yeah. Auburn and Bruce Pearl Lane, five with a total of 143.
2: I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at myself because I was wrong. I'm like, why is he saying that? I'm like, Tennessee's playing at Alabama. They're not playing at Auburn. And then <laughs> oh, I forgot LSU's playing. I forgot LSU's playing. Terrific matchup. This LSU team will wait. First of all, give them credit. They've got a payroll to meet, and they're meeting it right now based on the performance we've seen out of the Tigers so far. 12-0, and catching four and a half of Mike. You know, when you think of LSU, you think of this team being an offensive team. That's what they've been the last several years. And the reality of
3: it is it's been the defensive
2: performance by LSU. We'll talk some more. You got an update.
3: Yeah, I got an update. My update is we've efforted Frank and we've been successful in our efforts. Frank Schwab, senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports and betting analyst, joins us just two minutes late today. So we'll forgive Frank for that since he gives up his Wednesdays all year long. How are you doing, Frank? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's.
4: Good, good. I I join you guys on video, but uh, I'm five hours and counting at the car dealership getting it fixed. So, hey, you know, but let's talk some betting. Maybe I can win some bets to cover the uh, amount that my brakes are going to cost me.
3: All right, Frank. uh, I want to start out with the Las Vegas Bowl. The Badgers taking on Arizona State, Lane six, six and a half here. I don't see any advantages for Arizona State in this game. Wisconsin, I know it's a tough loss at Minnesota. They would have been in the Big Ten Championship game, but this team's ability – to run the football against anyone in Jim Leonard's defense. I think they're appreciably better than the sun devils and I'll lay anything up to a touchdown. Do you have a play on this game?
4: Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. And you know, Wisconsin always shows up in bowl games. They really do. They, they have a, a pretty strong track record of, you know, I mean, some teams we saw, you know, like Auburn last night, might've been a little disinterested, but Wisconsin has a, a, a pretty strong history in bowls. I think they matter to, to Chris and the rest of the team. I think, it'll, you know, Leonard, uh, you, I've talked about him many times. I think he's a, a defensive genius, and I think he's the next big thing uh, in co- college co- football coaching. So I think that travels. I think that so does a running game. I think everything lines up for them to, to get a pretty decisive win here. And you know what? I mean, I, I assume anyway that the stadium is going to be mostly red too. I mean, you know, you know my people. They they travel well to to anywhere warm this time of year. So I I think everything points to Wisconsin for me too.
2: Agree with both of you guys on this one. Paul Chris six and two in his bowl record uh, so far at Wisconsin. I think they dominate this game. You, you and I are on the same page here, uh, Frank. Real quick, you know, if we give a shout out to the garage, any chance they can knock off 50 bucks off the price?
4: No, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, I'll negotiate. Maybe we can get even more off
3: of that. Rick, one more bowl game. Maybe we want to hit here. I want to talk about the Rose Bowl on January first. For those of us growing up in the Midwest, like you did, I did, and the mall did, always a special time for families to come together. Whether your team's in it or not, you're pulling for the Big Ten. But Ohio State with the opt-outs, the receivers aren't going to play. We're hearing scuttlebutt. There's going to be more opt-outs before the game goes off on New Year's Day. Flying down to four now, should you jump in on Utah here? You know it's going to mean a lot more to this Utah program than it is to Ohio State, who'd probably rather be playing in the college football playoff.
0: Yeah,
4: you always have to worry about that, right? I mean, and once you get guys opting out, it kind of signals to the rest of your team, like, well, this game really doesn't matter that much. Even though, you know, me and you and a lot of, you know, other fans out there, they have such strong... Memories of the Rose Bowl and feelings about the Rose Bowl. The fact is, like, if you're in Ohio State and you didn't make the the playoff, it, does this game really matter to you? I know it matters Utah. I, I do. I wonder if Ohio State's talent is still enough to even overcome all that. I mean, they're just the better team for sure. But it's not like Utah, you know, can't compete. I mean, they pounded Oregon twice, and Oregon's a pretty talented team too. So, I, I think that probably. Utah's the right side, but I, you know, like you, you, kind of alluded to. I kind of wait, see, see where the, what what happens with with these decisions and even COVID. I mean, I can't. I think just generally, how can you bet anything more than a you know a few days ahead of time, more than a few hours ahead of time, given the news cycle? But yeah, I probably would tend to agree that you know Utah's going to come out pretty fired up and, and probably is the right side here.
2: I would agree with you guys as well. I hate going against my Buckeyes here, but I think it's play Whittingham's track record in bowl games has been unbelievable one of the best bowl coaches out there
3: well they're a physical running team and we saw Michigan with that physical running game really beat Ohio State defensive line in that game
2: yeah they really did and they were dominant and we saw Oregon also be able to run the ball effectively against Ohio State that'll be one thing they need to correct Um, I will say this though when you look at this matchup for me I think it's gonna come down to can the Ohio State offensive line really protect because the Utah team can be very physical Frank, I want to switch gears, go to the National Football League. Your former guy that you watched and was tremendous underrated in college football historically, Jonathan Taylor now. Him and Cooper Cup both a pick Pick'em price to win Offensive Player of the Year. Make a case for one guy over the other if you have a favorable or, or preference on one of them. And how do the Colts perform with Sam Ellinger, a second running back at quarterback?
4: Yeah, I, I mean, that really is interesting if he has to play. I- as somebody who obviously uh, Javon Taylor is my guy like he was so good in college love him and I also have tickets on him to win not just uh, offensive player of the year but MVP I will say I think it's going to be Cooper Cup. Just his sustained excellence has been unbelievable. To go 90 yards in I, I believe it's 14 to 15 games they've had. And the one game he didn't reach 90 yards, he was like 67. I, he's going to break Calvin Johnson's record. He's going to get 2,000 yards. He's going to break Michael Thomas' single season receiving record. And I think once voters start looking at these things, they look at records. And if you've set a couple of single season records, even with an extra game, that kind of pops out of the page and it's kind of a tiebreaker. I don't think Jonathan Taylor is setting any records this year. I mean, he had the you know consecutive games with a touchdown and all that, but he's not going to hit 2,000, I don't think. He's not going to have that kind of you know thing at the top of the resume that just pops out at you. He just had a really, really good year, whereas I think Cooper Cup is going to end up breaking some big-time records. So I think he gets it, and I think I'll be ripping up my tickets. As far as the Colts go, So, I don't know, I, I mean, their offensive lines banged up, too. And so it's not just the fact that you're you're probably playing a quarterback who, honestly, yeah, they're probably just going to run a lot of, you know, he, he's going to run, you know, 16, 17 times maybe. They're just going to keep it on the ground every play. But that's hard to do when you're missing maybe Quentin Nelson. We don't know about Ryan Kelly yet. I mean, most of their line is replacements at this point. So I think they're going to have a really tough slog of it. And, I, you know, even though Vegas has not been great lately, they're still alive. They're still playing hard. They're – Doing all those things, so I think if you can get points with the Raiders, you almost have to take it. And I, but but again, it comes back to we don't even know Carson Wentz could get cleared on on Saturday, and it kind of changes the whole tenor of that offense. So yeah, betting betting days or hours whatever ahead of time in this age of the new age of COVID, I guess is is just really really difficult to do.
3: Talking with Frank Schwab, senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports and betting analyst, our guest every Wednesday. Frank, let's look at this week's NFL slate. Big game in Dallas. Cardinals-Cowboys, recency bias here may be in the number. Cardinals lose that game in Detroit and then lose at home to a depleted Colts team on Christmas night. The Cowboys rolling just shellacked the Washington football team. Dallas now up to five and a half in this game. Is this too many points?
4: It is. And I think it's going to get higher, right? I think it'll get, it'll get to six, maybe even six and a half before I think some of the sharper guys buy it back down. Um, So I'll be on the Cardinals. I, I look, if I'm going to lose, that's fine, but I'm going to always go against recency bias. And I'm always going to go against the team we talk about all week. And that's been the Dallas Cowboys look four or five days ago, whatever it was, the, the, The story around the Dallas Cowboys was not that this is the best team in the NFL. It was, hey, Dak Prescott's struggling. He hasn't really had a big game in a long time. Ezekiel Elliott looks like he might be washed up. This team is very good, but maybe not great. Then they go out and pummel Washington, who's a bad team, who missed guys. And all of a sudden, the Dallas Cowboys are the, you know, the the 1985 Bears. I don't get it. I don't like that overreaction. And hey, if the Cowboys come out and they, they beat the heck out of the Cardinals and the Cardinals are just in total freefall, that's fine. I'll live with that. I'll sleep well at night knowing that more often than not, when I fade these overreactions, I'm going to end up with a winning ticket. So Cardinals all day for me. Wouldn't I'll be on the money line, too. I don't think... I haven't totally given up on this Cardinals team. The talent's still there. I guess there's no Hopkins, and that really affects him. And I think we're seeing Cliff get exposed a little bit, but... This is still a team that started the season 10-2. and They're not incapable. This is not a team I think that's just going to lose every single game and get boat raced from here on out. I think that they're still a capable team, and I think they compete, and I think they might even win.
3: Frank, thanks for calling in during a difficult time being, getting getting a car repair. We appreciate everything you did for (laughs) us in 21, and we'll talk to you in 22. Yep, can't wait, guys. Thank you. All right, when we come back, Amal will continue to wax poetic about college basketball.
0: If you dare. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VCN, the sports betting network.
2: BetRivers Sportsbook takes same football game parlays to a whole other level. Now you can combine same game parlays from different games to give you even more ways to make your perfect combination. In addition to that, BetRivers has added more and more same game parlay props for college football matchups just in time for the biggest games of the season. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to explore all the new ways you can relate to your ideal combination. Must be 21. Gambling problem, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, call 100. gambler Indiana, 109. With the Colorado, 105-22, 4700. Michigan, 102 7-0-7-1-1-7, Virginia 188-532-3500. and will call one hundred bets off playable in New Jersey as play Sugar House void where prohibited.
3: Welcome back into Odds On Mike Palm here with the mall Just a couple minutes left in the first quarter in Yankee Stadium, still seven 0 Maryland off the strength of that punt return.
2: Yeah, ninety yard punt return for a touchdown. I'll tell you what, both of these teams playing like they got. Virginia Tech's got a plane to catch, and I think uh, Maryland's train out of Grand Central is at about 6 o'clock Eastern. It's,
3: uh, rapidly moving first quarter. <laughs> it really is. Well, <laughs> and Maryland, Maryland's run three offensive plays, yeah. and we're at about three and a half minutes to go in the quarter. Punt, punt, return, touchdown, <laughs> punt, punt. That's yes, what we've seen. Is, exactly. That's what we've seen so far. Uh, all right, I'll get my play out of the way here because, Amal, you have a myriad of plays today. Uh, I have the one play. It's Clemson, Iowa State, under. Now, I bet this game 45 and a half for the full game. Um, but that's not available as it's come back down to 45 or 44-and-a-half. I like the first half under 22 here. We talked about it earlier in the show. I think both offensive struggles, no Brees Hall. This is, a, is as good a Clemson defense as there is in the country. I, think, I see this game 17-10, 21-13. I don't think this game gets anywhere close to 40. So I'm going under here in the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando. Mr. Shaw? I, yeah,
2: I, listen, I think it's a good play. I've got Clemson in this game, but I think you're going to go with either side here. But starting out, let's go with the game tonight, the Alamo Bowl. Always a fun one in San Antonio. Um, Oklahoma minus six and a half now, up to seven. I, I think you got no qualms with Lane Boomer sooner at seven in this one. Uh, obviously, Oregon will have about 30 to 40 people in attendance. Not that it's going to make that much of a difference here.
3: They're going to have more people than came to Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game. <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. Ooh, that's pushing it. <laughs>
2: that's a good point you raised there. Uh, I mentioned Clemson in a point and a half. I think this defense is just too strong. They're going to dominate. You reference it. No Brees Hall in this one. Uh, Brock Purdy is a guy that has regressed for this team. And by the way, the only problem I have with uh, Clemson winning this game is you're going to remind me how bad Matt Campbell is tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's go to college hoops. I like Providence. The Friars now are a one-point dog at home. I got the worst of the numbers here, but I like PC at home. Uh, I, I think they're the better basketball team. We're going to get into this game in just a minute. But Seton Hall, people are giving a lot of credit for that win against an average Michigan team, and you saw them in person. They're not as good as people thought they were. They don't have that three-point shooting, and I think it's going to be a struggle here for uh, Seton Hall going on the road. I like uh, Providence at home at the Dunkin' Donut Center. Great game tonight at uh, Coleman Coliseum uh, down in Tuscaloosa here. I like Alabama against Tennessee. People giving Tennessee a lot of love for that win against Arizona. I just thought Arizona was playing uh, five on eight in that one. They're not only playing Tennessee, but they're playing the officials. How so, about
3: that technical with four minutes to go? That
2: ridiculous. Really it really changed the game. Yeah. I, I mean, <sighs> Kerr's got to be Kerr. Ker Carisa has got to yeah. be smarter than that. Can't but, get a technical in that spot. Um, I'm and then, I keep got going one more. Yeah, oh, sorry. Lane with Alabama. I, I got two and a half, but I wanted to post a three and a half because I would take this game up to four. And then college basketball: uh, SMU taking on Tulsa. You talk about. A contrast in styles. SMU wants to get up and go. Every game they've had this year, except one has gone over 141. Tulsa, they're going to play a half-court defensive. They're not knocking down threes, which they're inconsistent at. I think this game is going to play a lot lower than that. Frank Hayes' team going to slow you down defensively. I like this game under 141.5. I think this number is far off. I could be way wrong, but we'll see what happens in this one.
3: Well, all right, Amal. You've given the people plenty to think about tonight. <laughs> I, I want to reference, it, and not because you lost the game last night, yeah. but... You know, I give about Matt Campbell and these coaches that are overrated. Yeah. I'm ready to put Mike Leach into that category with that performance last night against a bottom-tier Big 12 team. I'll never forget the fact that, remember a couple of years ago, his team lost to a Minnesota team that had no starters playing in a bowl game. It was a performance like that last night. The defense was, The defense, which was the calling card of this team, was absolutely abysmal, I
2: thought. Uh, you know what? I don't mind losing plays, obviously. It's going to yeah. happen. But what I don't like is when you just absolutely get outclassed and boat raced the way they did in that one. I mean, they were a complete no-show. i like, I had no opportunity to be able to get off the game in the situation in terms of taking uh, Texas Tech at any point in time. It was over before you knew it. 10 nothing early in the first quarter. And it was going to take a miracle for them to be able to get to
3: 21. They didn't even score. The line was 10. They scored seven points. You, you know, if you liked Texas Tech in this game and believed in what they were doing. You had plenty of opportunities to make money in-game because the in-game line always assumed that Mississippi State was going to come back, but it never happened. They just kept rolling. I mean, what was it, 21-0 in the second half? Okay, we left off talking about uh, college basketball. I wanted to make one further point. We talked about LSU and Auburn before Frank called in. I was talking to a guy when we went out to Council Bluffs, um, and remember Nebraska played Auburn, got beat by a million points, who said he thinks Auburn is the final four team and I made this response to him I can never back these Bruce Pearl teams to go to the final four because they're always so high-risk high-reward in their style of play
2: I would agree with you completely the problem is over four games I don't think they're gonna make the smart basketball play when necessary to be successful there are situations where you look at them and say hey pull it out kind of run some clock they don't do that they go with tempo. they'll throw some alley-oops in situation where you don't need to do it look they're an athletic team they're fun to watch Smith has been outstanding for this team they are not, they're shooting the ball fairly well from beyond the arc, 34%. But overall, I think they're going to get challenged tonight by LSU, especially at home. This will be a big game. Both teams off to a terrific start, combined 23-1. and one. But I'm with you. I don't see Auburn as a Final Four team. I think they're a good basketball team. I, I
3: just don't see them as being necessarily elite. LSU, Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, Kentucky. Who's ranked those five in the SEC? Are talking right now or at the end of the season in at conference? The end of the se- at the end of the season in conference. I'm going Big Blue Nation. Yeah. I
2: love the way Wheeler's playing at the point guard position. Uh, they're just getting better and better. Uh, Kellen Grady, the three-point specialist, he's kind of understood his role coming off the bench. They've got length. Oscar Tshiebwe, best rebounder in college basketball, and it isn't even close. And by the way, I am cementing that statement. I mean, 28 rebounds, and then you, we saw that. Forget the fact that they dismantled North Carolina, but I just think that loss against Notre Dame was good for them. I think they're going to realize that no, there's no easy games. Even if you look better than Notre Dame on paper, you got to go out and play. We saw uh, Irish barely escape yesterday. Four to
3: one worth a bet for you right here?
2: It is. and <laughs> You know, the only concern you have is uh, if you get into crucial games, if you have a COVID situation. But uh, the one thing I would say is take a look at, uh, obviously, the one team I, I think that's more dangerous than people are giving them credit for to win the league. I think uh, Auburn at six and a half to one is dangerous. And I think LSU at 12 to one is extremely dangerous. Because the one thing with the Tigers this year, Mike, they're playing defense like they never have before. So
3: you're LSU like, Tigers. So you're suggesting uh, you could bet Kentucky, uh, Auburn, and LSU all and make a profit even if, even if uh, Kentucky wins the league.
2: Absolutely. I think Alabama's a good basketball team, but I think when you go on the road to Fayetteville, when you go on the road down on the plains and you go to LSU, I don't think they're necessarily the type of team that's going to go on the road like they did last year when they had uh, Herb Jones and go win these games on the road comfortably. I, I think it's going to be a challenge for them.
3: Well, we'll go. Arkansas is going on the road down to Stark Vegas to take on Mississippi State tonight. Good night of action in the SEC. Uh, Mississippi State laying in three points at home with a total of 142, all.
2: Yeah, this is the team that you know, they relied rely too much for me on Iverson and Molinar to be able to score from the backcourt. They, they're not great three-point shooters. They're very reliant on those guys. Ben Holland's team... Inconsistent, bad turnovers, and they have a lot of live ball turnovers. I actually was looking at taking the dog here, Mike, Mm -hmm. but I'm not buying into Arkansas just yet. Let's see what this team is able to do. Uh, J.D. Notay and company are going to have to play well, shoot the ball well from the perimeter. They have been inconsistent compared to last year's squad, but when you lose a player of Moses Moody's caliber, I think it's a real challenge for the Razorbacks. Uh, slight, slight edge from a point standpoint to Razorbacks here, but this is an in-game opportunity game.
3: Big East matchup in Indiana tonight is a school from Chicago. <laughs> DePaul comes to call in with Dallas Comedies and the boys. Butler, two-point home favorite, total of 133. Yeah, I think this DePaul team
2: is vastly improved from what we've seen the last couple of years. Thank God uh, we don't have, uh, who is it, Odom around that team Odom. anymore. Uh, th- this team has gotten far better. This Butler team is not good, okay? I know they're sitting at 7-4, and four, but don't let the preseason records fool you. Um, I would take a shot with the Blue Demons, but again, I'm not ready to go and back DePaul yet on the
3: road. Is this a year Villanova doesn't win the Big East finally? Is there any shot? Could be. Um,
2: Britton and I were talking about that yesterday. And hmm. I'll tell you the one team to pay attention to is uh, Danny Hurley's team up in stores. I think Connecticut with their length, their size, they're very good. Point guard plays the key for that team. If they can correct that in terms of consistency, they have the transfer in from, uh, I think it's Howard. Um, they, they could be dangerous, but I think UConn is a second favorite. And then Paul Scrugg- Scruggs needs some help with Xavier. If they can help him out, Jack Nunji, the Iowa transfer, if he can play big and they can shoot the ball from the perimeter, watch out for X
3: in this league. It's not an odds-on show without talking about the NBA. Quickly, tonight in Memphis, the Lakers take on the Grizzlies. The Grizz, six-point home favorites, Ooh. total 226. Big
2: number. I, this is another one I was thinking about. Oh, Memphis, good spot for them. Lakers last night winning a tough game. Triple-double from LBJ and Russ. But now going on the road against Memphis here, Grizzlies tend to play them tough at home. Uh, too big of a number for me to lay with Memphis here. Don't want to take the Lakers
3: because they have been highly inconsistent. Clippers are in Boston tonight. Clippers getting six, total 209 and a half. I like the C's here. I think Boston wins this game.
2: We know PG is going to be out for a while. I just think this Clippers team is inconsistent, and I think Boston takes advantage of it.
3: Baby Bulls are hosting the Hawks. Bulls laying eight to and a half.
2: Well, big number here. Obviously, injuries and COVID taking a toll on the Atlanta Hawks here. No play
3: on this game, but a Bulls a team that you can make some money with. Well, we both have plays on the bowl games tonight. You're also on the, the hardwood in college basketball, so we have plenty to watch. We're into the second quarter. Still 7 nothing in favor of the Terrapins. You're laying three. Good luck to you there. Stay tuned to VEASAN. Coming up next, it's Betting Across America.